air high five somebody around you and smile to them today. Smile as you are seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. Well, welcome this morning to New Life Church. So glad you guys are with us. Those of you watching with us online, as Thomas pointed out at the beginning, we are just a couple of weeks away from Easter weekend. Thankful that's not like last year. This time last year, we had to change everything. Everything was changed for us, and we were not able to meet in person for a very long time. And uh, thankful we are able to carry on and Uh, It's so good to see all of you here this morning. So thankful for each one of you. Listen, before we transition into the Word today, we want to take a moment and uh, we want to recognize and honor somebody, uh, someone who who has served alongside me for the last 16, going on 16 years, and uh, who, who is celebrating a significant milestone birthday. You only turned 75 once. So we've got something in store, a little special uh, recognition for someone here on our staff, Pastor Prentice. Come on up here, Pastor Prentice. Yeah, come on up. You don't have to tell him he's going to be in front of people because he always dresses right, you know. You don't have to ever worry about Father Woods here. (laughs) Uh, Well, I I just want to say on behalf of our staff, our church, we love you, we appreciate you, Um, and uh, we just want to pray that you have a very prosperous, very healthy uh, 75th year, uh, that this will be one of your greatest years yet, and you will will live with a sound mind, a strong spirit, (laughs) he says please, And, and, and that you will just be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. Amen, church. Amen. Will you believe that for him today? And we have, I have a gift we want to give you, but first, uh, somebody's got something they want to do. <laughs> if you would help me sing happy birthday to Pastor Prentice this morning. <laughs> no, I'm not that talented on the spot. Um, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Prentice. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Woo! Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you guys, check out this picture. It'll be on Facebook later today so you can see Pastor Prentice with some great 70s hair as well as a couple pictures from all of his many years of mission work in Belize and all different places, some highlights of that. So y'all just make sure to take a look at that on Facebook today so you can see up close um, some pictures of 75 years right there. (laughs) And we have a little gift that we want to pass along to you. How about that? Cool. All right. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. We love you. Uh, the one of our elders, James, is going to be bringing the word today. So, James, come on up. I, I just feel led to pray for you before you start, not because you need it, but because I need to practice, all right? All right. Lord, we thank you for James. Thank you for his heart. Thank you for his service here. 
his willingness to learn and grow and uh, be pruned by you and allow you to just be big in his life. And today as he brings the word, as we wrap up this series on matters of the heart, Sermon on the Mount, that you would anoint him and the, the Holy Spirit would just pull out of him what you've put in him and that, uh, and that we would hear, we would receive, and our lives would be better for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks so much. You never turn down good prayer, especially on the spot right before you preach. Um, so it, it, we're, we're wrapping up the Matters of the Heart series this today, and I, if you've been following along, it's gone through uh, Matthew 5-7, through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus unloads a whole lot on a bunch of folks that are used to reading the Old Testament. We have the benefit of hindsight. We have the benefit to sit down and read his written words and go, hmm, what did he mean by that? Um, but Jesus was unloading a lot on people that were used to living from the outside inward. And now he's telling them, Hey, everything you're doing is completely backwards. And, and this was the challenging conversation for those that he asked to come up with him. Those that followed him, not only for the miracles, but for the teaching. And so here we are on the tail end uh, and we've walked through several different themes, just lay out a few of them. Over the course of Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus, Jesus lays out in the importance of the attitude of our hearts. And some of those themes are humility, service, love, forgiveness, generosity, peace, provision, judgment, prayer, righteousness. He condensed so many topics into this single, we, we believe, a single message that he repeated often. But now on the tail end, we're going to talk about Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 29. The, the last of it, this talks about false prophets, this talks about true discipleship, and this talks about the foundation of a believer. And he gives us in, in, in this last section, which I'm calling uh, Evaluating Authenticity, Jesus gives us a series of examples for measuring authenticity. Authenticity. We're going to see how many times I can say that. Not everyone who professes Christ is acting wholesomely. The true disciple of Jesus is charged with being able to distinguish authentic from fraudulent. So he's given us from the beginning, or for y'all, I guess it would be over here, from the beginning of the message all the way to the end, hey, what matters is what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. But then you go back and read in Samuel, it says God sees the heart of a man, and he has the benefit of seeing the heart of the man, and I can't see your heart unless it's on the outside of your body, which is bad. Um, so at the end of all of these things where he says the inside matters more than the outside, he says this is how you see if the inside is good. So we'll start in, um, we'll read verses 15 through 20. This is all out of the New Living Translation, if you're following along, which addresses false prophets. It says, beware of false prophets. All right, good, good start who come disguised as harmless sheep, 
but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A tree, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Now this, this is very self-explanatory, but there's some depth in it and some principles to be applied for all of us here today. First off, he says, beware. That is to pay attention to or be on guard. In other areas of the New Testament, when they talk about false prophets, we see the term in Mark, watch out. And in 1 John 4, the first verse, it says, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. So there's a degree of shrewdness and wisdom to be brought by every believer. But what it doesn't say is go find them, label them, and make sure everyone on Facebook knows. (laughs) Do we need to stop now? We're we're to apply wisdom and shrewdness to whom we trust to lead us, to give us fruit. We choose the fruit that we eat. So as we're walking through life, right now, you should judge me on the fruit of my life. And then you go, okay, I'll believe that word he said. Because you see evidence of the inward working of Holy Spirit. So they will be known by their fruit, and that is their actions. Jesus also says that their goal is to to infiltrate, to harm and work against him. So if you're using this as a litmus test, it requires you not only to hear the person speak, but to know something about them. The relationship aspect is important. That's why why you can't just believe somebody you randomly found on the Internet without a greater degree of confirmation. Like if you didn't know me, and I didn't know you, and we were from different parts of the country, and I walked up to you on the street and I said, hey, is your name Jeremy Smith? Okay, are you a pastor at New Life Church in Jackson, Tennessee? All right, the Lord told me to tell you this. Well, right away, we don't know each other in this scenario, but I have brought some confirmation to say what I need to tell you I think is important, or or there would be some information to of him that would be only his to know. And that word would likely be encouraging or affirming. It wouldn't be some dramatic life change because those things typically come from those close to us who are intimate with the Lord. So they'll be known by their fruit. So you have to know somebody. They'll be known by their fruit. The, The false prophets are coming to infiltrate harm and work against Jesus. The way you, the, in, in John 15 and verse five, He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can produce nothing. So that is to say, 
If we're connected, we will produce fruit. If we're not connected, we won't produce fruit. If you don't see fruit, this person is not connected. Everybody on track? All right. Cool. So what are the implications? So our job remains to abide in Christ and follow him, and we are to be watchful and avoid those working against God. Like I said, our job's not to label these people. Our job is to go, oh, I see what's happening there. That my, my Holy Spirit sensor's tingling. Let's, let's take this with a grain of salt. Let's avoid this person because they're, they're disguised. They're not, they're not standing there with a sign on. This is, hey, I'm working against the Lord. There is a degree of discernment, which is why you need to abide in Christ, which not you need an ongoing relationship so that you can hear the Holy Spirit if he's giving you any kind of inkling or warning or saying, hey, maybe not, maybe not listen to this person, or let's look in a little bit deeper than what that claim said. Are we there? This is a fun topic. I know everybody's enjoying it. I can tell by all your smiles. So our job is to abide in Christ and follow him. So in walking with Jesus, we see the spiritual fruits in Galatians 5. We'll see those fruits in these people's lives. Or excuse me, in people that are bearing fruits' lives. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. If you see these things, these people are bearing fruit. The Holy Spirit is in them. Now, that doesn't mean that people won't make mistakes. But in general, these things are being grown and cultivated in their lives. Now, the opposite opposite is true if they're not connected to the vine, which just a couple verses before these verses in Galatians, in uh, chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, says when you, excuse me, Back up. I skipped one. In Colossians 1 through 6, we're talking about fruit bearing. It says, The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. So not only are these people bearing fruit, but there is a point of change and transformation. God has not come into their life and just become a badge on their sash of life. It's not, it's not their religious merit badge, and they go and punch the, the religion box every week that gives them credit. There is a transformation. Something changes. We are dead to life. Something has to come alive. So you should see life in these fruits in people that are authentic and genuine in their intent. So we go back to Galatians 5 to see what happens when, you don't, when you're not connected. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you, let me tell you again, as I've told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's Jesus, or excuse me, that's Paul giving you, this is what you do when you're just connected to you and you're following your sinful nature. These are the fruits of your sinful nature. When you're connected to Jesus, these are the fruits 
of Holy Spirit and his work in you. So those are, those are things, so put those in your brain for when you need to evaluate something, when you need to say, is this person genuine? What, which fruit is in their life? That doesn't mean to say that people don't have struggles, but the genuine, authentic believer will bear, at, bear fruit of the Spirit and be repentant when they screw up. Not every, we, like I said, we're, gonna, we're about to make this bigger point. We need to know what is fruit and what isn't fruit. But the, the point of knowing, the, how you get to that point is that you have relationship or proximity to a degree. So you can't, you can't see this fruit in somebody if you've never talked to them. Or you don't know something about their life. You can't, if, if it's a random person on YouTube that's just talking, that, that, that's preaching or talking about whatever, you don't know if they're good or bad because you have no way of measuring the fruit in their life. You need to have a degree of proximity and relationship for those people that you choose to give, you choose to lend your ear. If you lend your ear to someone or a teacher or a prophet, you need to know a little bit more than just, did that word encourage me? Because you need to know if their fruit is good or bad. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says, They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. In James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition... There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peaceful, loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. The key phrase in there is that Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Selfishness, self-centeredness is our sinful nature. That is what our sinful nature causes. That's the product of our sinful nature. It invites every other evil. So in our evaluating of someone's authenticity, we need to see the fruit of their lives so we can know where their heart is and which master it serves. Still with me? Yep. All right. It's a heavy subject. It's not super fun to talk about. So relationship is key. You still have to have some relationship. You still have to be around. You still have to be in proximity to people to know. But even when you see bad fruit, even when you have confirmed an immoral lifestyle, you've, you've seen a moral failure or you've decided for yourself, 
okay, I'm not going to I'm not going to go that I'm not going to follow this person down this path. These people are still made in God, God's image. They're still worthy of honor and they're worth praying for. And our hearts should be for their redemption. It's really hard to talk about this and not try to give you a formula to where you come out with a label. We, we are to know these things so that we can discern as we go. But our job is not to apply the label. Our job is to be aware so that in the moment where we recognize, oh, this is a, this is a bad tree, whatever the situation is with Holy Spirit, we can make the correct decision on where to go. Because lots of times this may be a person that's just in your circle, or maybe it's a person in your church, or maybe it's a person just in your life that is religious but doesn't have any of the fruit, and they're trying to speak into your life for whatever their reason is. You still have to work through honoring that person and work through treating them with respect and then understanding what they're telling me I have to take with a grain of salt. So false prophets are identified as those operating for themselves in disobedience to God. This is not a hard label separate from the redemptive power of Jesus but one that allows the spirit-filled, discerning believer to know when they are in an unsafe place. I'm going to say that again. False prophets are identified as those operating for themselves and in disobedience to God. This is not a hard label separate from the redemptive power of Jesus. That, that's meaning to say Jesus can still transform them but one that allows the spirit-filled, discerning believer to know when they are in an unsafe place. Because what you've got to understand is in, in the Old Testament, we've got Jesus telling a crowd of people who don't have internet access and aren't on Facebook and can't, and can't do a quick Facebook background check on people. That there's going to be lots of people talking. There's going to be people claiming that they're following him and they're going to lead crowds because all they have to go on is someone's, is someone's charisma and then, and then their perceived authority, confidence, whatever, miracles, and that's going to draw people in. And in this, in, in this setting, they have proximity. You can't help but be close to that leader if you're following them because you literally had to be physically close to them. You couldn't follow them online. So it was that much more important for them to evaluate, well, how are they handling me? How are they handling the people around them? Are they bearing fruit? Are we seeing the things Jesus was just talking about for the past however many minutes, probably hours? But in today's age, that still applies, but we have inserted lots of complicated extra things, not to include our normal mask wearing at church. We're so typically in the Western church, not necessarily for our church, I'm proud of our church, 
we're not always genuine and authentic. And that doesn't mean we share our whole lives to everybody we talk to every time we see them. But it's okay not to be okay. And if we're going to be obedient, part of that obedience is bearing one another's burdens and being in a close community of people where you can come and not be okay so that we can encourage and pray for you and just sit with you. If everybody comes to church like the stereotypical church and puts on their happy mask and high fives you and everything's great and everything's golden, nothing gets done. There is no growth. You could call it a bad tree. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Our job is not to find the boundaries of the label. Our job is not to find the boundaries of the label, ascribe its membership, or announce to the world the sins of this person, but to know the problem when we see it. It's for you. It's a tool for you. It's a tool for you and your friends whose lives you have permission to speak into. It is not a hammer or a sledgehammer to wield mercilessly, as we tend to see. So that's false prophets. Yay, we made it. I'm glad you were here. Um, these all work, these, it's, it's really funny, all of these sections work together. Because just after talking about false prophets, we roll into verses 21 and 23, which has the title, True Disciples. In verses 21 and 23, Not everyone who calls on me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply... I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. That's encouraging. So Jesus tells us, hey, this is how you're going to know false prophets. But also, this is what's going to happen on Judgment Day. We see there is a place where you can do kingdom things in disobedience to God. Casting out demons, it's not, a, it's not an evil thing. Healing the sick, those are commandments of Jesus. But we see in the Passion Translation, that last verse says, Go away from me, you lawless rebels. I've never been joined to you. And if we go back, we said, well, if you're connected to the vine, you bear fruit. And if you're not connected to the vine, you don't bear anything. So he's saying in this, in this scenario, these people, whatever their label, false prophets, whatever they are, it's not my job, aren't connected. They have no relationship. They're not talking to Jesus and saying, what, am I, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to minister? They're not walking with Jesus. They're taking the gifting given to them, which it says the gifts of God are without repentance. So we get a gift. We are gifted in many ways, and we can take that gift, and we can do our own thing. And back there in James, it says, wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find evil of every kind. And back in John 15, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And if you remember in the Greek, that word nothing means nothing. No thing. So when we're separated from God, whether we think we're doing good or not, we're actually working against him. Because he's called us to relationship. He hasn't called us to performance. He's called us to relationship. So we have to be connected. We have to remain connected. Our job is to abide in him, and he will bear fruit in us. If you are worried about doing Christianity right, abide in Jesus. Sit with him and talk to him. He will bear fruit in your life. He is asking for your yes and nothing else. Authentic relationship fosters love and obedience. In John 15, 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So we see this connection. Where there is fruit, there is connection. Where there's connection, there is righteousness, there's fruit, there's holiness, there's all these things. And without it, we are operating on our own And we are acting lawlessly, regardless of the good we think we are accomplishing. I'm not not just preaching to y'all, I'm preaching to myself. I used to, I, I would go and believe that I was doing good in the midst of my not connectedness to Jesus, in my growing up, not seeking relationship, addicted to pornography, doing all the lawlessness, doing church on Sunday and doing my own thing during the week. I would volunteer. I'd be nice to people. I'd encourage somebody. Depart from me. (laughs) That's what that says. We have to have relationship. We have to have a real, genuine, authentic relationship in order to be true disciples. Otherwise, we risk falling into that other category. Be encouraged. We're going to make it. We're going to make it, y'all. So we've got the people that are just plain old working against God. We've got the definition of true, true discipleship. And we get down a little bit further into verses 24 and 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Y'all, I, before this church, I built a pretty tall house on sand. It had several stories. It was nice. I liked it. God didn't. And he shook it and it fell over. For the better, Amen. Anybody got their house knocked over for good? Say amen. Amen. (laughs) It's possible. It's possible. We've talked about it. We can build all kinds of things that we want to build. God's not going to stop us. But we can build a whole lot on sand. And if this was Jesus, if this rug was Jesus, we can put one foot on here. We can put one foot on something else. It's called being lukewarm. 
I'm not telling y'all anything I haven't lived. He will knock your house down. And I'm reminded that in that time, it was the world that shook. Whether he shook it or not, whether he started the shaking. But things, crisis, crisis came, pressure came, stress came, and it all came crashing down. Despite my best efforts, despite all those reinforced walls on top of my sand foundation. The emphasis in these verses is that is placed on hearing and applying. Listening is a component of relationship. Ever been in a relationship where a person doesn't listen? You kind of know how God feels sometimes. Obedience is response to God's kingship in our life. We are sons and daughters, but he is also our Lord. And when you understand that he is perfectly good and he is not self-seeking, he is for your good, anything he asks you to do is also for your good. So if you are disobedient to an all-good God who is for your good, you are choosing bad. Hey, I love you. Go do this. Nah. Not today. We're building a little bit on sand. When we listen and obey, we, we, we create that firm and unshakable foundation. This is not a hard illustration to see. When you, if you build something on sand and you shake the sand, have you ever been at a beach and a wave come over your sandcastle? It just goes away. A theme over the last year, year and a half, at least in our small groups, has been be, becoming unshakable. And you, can, you have seen, at least in our lives and the lives of those close to us, that God is shaking people, shaking whole lives. And you're like, why are you shaking my whole life, Jesus? Because he's getting rid of everything that you built on sand. Because he needs you on Jesus. He needs you on the rock so that you can be built up in the next season. So that you can be built upon and not built on in these weak areas. Everyone, I, I dare say every one of us in this room probably have been shaken in the past year. Whether we'd call it that or not. There's been something that's pressed us and we found an area that either fell apart or we immediately noticed was built on the sand and we were like, okay, Jesus, let's start working on that. Let's go ahead and get that down and put it over here. We are being made unshakable. Thankfully, by the power of the Holy Spirit and not by our own strength. And lastly, in verse 28, 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. One, wouldn't you want to be a nearby Pharisee and hear that? I bet that riled him up. But there's a difference here. Jesus spoke with authority. That, could be, that word could be power, expertise, citation. He was clearly not reading from a script. He both talked the talk and walked the walk. He spoke from experience. He had an intimate familiarity with the subject matter. He didn't get up here and BS anybody. 
he didn't make it up as he goes and sound real confident while he was doing it. And so he calls us to take these tools and measure those we choose to lend our ear to. Is there fruit in their life? Or what kind of fruit is in their life? Are they truly following Jesus? Are they connected? Is their foundation on Christ or on sand? And do they speak with authority? I want to encourage you, authority is gained through experience. As you follow the Lord, He will walk you through all the things. The shaking, the refining, the building up, the encouraging. It's not all bad. So there's positive. But he would, that develops into an authority where you're able to speak. I can talk to you about intimacy and addiction pornography because it's something I've, I'm working on too. That I've had to work out. That I've had to walk with Jesus in. And there are areas of your life where he's given you authority to speak. Or he's building authority in you to speak. So as you go and listen, ask yourself, are they speaking with authority? Or are they just talking with confidence? Holy Spirit is there to be your guide. This is not something you do in your own strength. But it's important, as God has said, the inside's got to change before the outside's going to change. Because out of the heart flows all of our actions and our words. True authenticity is evidenced in the fruit one bears as one seeks to listen and obey while abiding in Him. We cannot see the heart in the same way God sees it, but we can discern with Holy Spirit and see what overflows outwardly through one's speech and actions. True authenticity is evidenced in the fruit one bears as one seeks to listen and obey while abiding in Him. We cannot see the heart in the same way God sees it, but we can discern with Holy Spirit and see what overflows outwardly through one's speech and actions. He wouldn't have given us a warning if there wasn't something to be warned against. It's important now more than ever when you can turn, you can open your phone or turn on the TV or do about anything and hear somebody's voice let somebody speak into your life that we have to be close to Jesus that we have to be intimate with Holy Spirit so that we can hear him when he says hey let's not let's not read this book let's not watch this show let's turn this YouTube channel to a different one because what we take in through our eyes and ears goes into our heart And it's important to guard our heart. So as you go, know that God has equipped you. Know God has given you the tools to make sure you're being poured into by somebody that loves Him. Somebody that's following Him. Somebody that's bearing fruit. 
And if you find yourself in the opposite position, don't panic. Be thankful that God's given you tools to recognize the position you're in. And then ask God what to do. Because as long as you're connected to the vine, you'll bear fruit. It's not your job to grow the fruit. It's your job to stay connected. So I'm going to pray for us. Oh, it's a heavy, it's a little bit heavy subject. It's not the most popular. I'm going to pray for us. And I want you to, to truly take these things and not, if you feel led to seriously just evaluate everything in your life, by all means, go for it. But don't be discouraged. Be encouraged that you have the Holy Spirit who helps walk you through these things. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the promise of Holy Spirit, the down payment of Holy Spirit in us. Thank you, Lord, for the tools that you've equipped us with. Thank you, Father, that we can commune with you at all times, that you've never leave us, you've never forsaken us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, increase the sensitivity of our ears, of our eyes, of our connection to you so that we would take in your good fruit, that we would not choose bad fruit. And Lord, where we have chosen bad fruit, show it to us so that we can quit picking from that tree. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for everything you've done in my life and in our church's life, for everyone in here, for the refinement, for the unshakableness. Lord, for the goodness you've planted in all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.